That water is for you guys. Thank you. So um, they've said every, they said hi to you, so you want to say hi back? You can just say hi. Uh, Good morning. Guten Morgen. You were saying actually uh, like a car, by the way. Morgen is a car. It's okay. It's See, okay. I messed it's it up. You're like, you're, yeah, you're swallowing your R. <laughs> I can't do it. Varen is fine too. Warren? No, no. So one of the more, one of the purposes of this morning is to get to know you guys. So um, I don't know which one of you, just kind of like a quick snapshot of, hey, this is me, because when we send teams over there, which we're sending 10 people over in February mm -hmm. uh, from our church, the largest team that's gone over to Boston. Um, <laughs> so you're going to see them if you do this trip, and we're going to see more of the Coles here in the coming years to come, Lord willing, um, as, as he plans this stuff. So which one of you wants to go first? Like, hey, I was born in... Oh, born. We don't uh, my name is Caleb, Caleb Cole. Cole is actually very German, and in German it actually stands for cabbage, if you're wondering. So, you have weiss Cole, rot Cole, like white cabbage, red cabbage, always looking for the cabbages. Um, so, my, my family actually left Germany uh, in 1885, I believe it is, checking my, my, my history log. <laughs> yep, that's it, 1885. I left Germany to America, and now we're going back, and so in some ways it's kind of like I'm But I was born in Florida, but my family's not from Florida. I'm actually, from Minnesota. And so I grew up in God's Winter Playground, and uh, it's been great being up there. I went to Crown College. And, uh, and tell that story, okay, so you're like Crown College, or actually in high school, you're, you're just having a great day out in nature, and God says to you, tell us right. that story. Well, that's, that's great because um, I'm trying to, when you're in high school, you're trying to think, where do I want to go in life? What, what direction I want to go in. And I love nature, I love being with the woods and trees, and I thought God actually was designed me to be a forest ranger. And so I climbed the only mountain that's in Minnesota, and it is a mountain by 31 feet. Have you seen that mountain? 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 No, sound to me, sorry. It's a good, don't you know? Okay, okay. <laughs> sorry, keep going, you're in line. <laughs> so I'm on the top of this mountain in my, my senior year of high school, and on top of one, oh, overlooking the woods and the, you know, the lakes and this beautiful vista, and I'm just like, okay, this is beautiful. And so I'm just enjoying it and enjoying nature. And I'm like, okay, I just want to, I want to take this time to pray now. Okay, God, I know you, you, you created me to love nature, and I just want to check with you. Everything's okay that I'm going to be a forest ranger. That's what you want me, right? I'm like, okay, we're good, we're good. And then while I'm praying, I actually hear God come and speak and says, Caleb, I'm glad that you love my nature, but I've called you to love my people more. I was like, ah. Man, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like going from focusing on trees to people, and so it was, that was God saying go this direction. So I was following in that way. So yeah. huh. Cool. So you're born in. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right. but I did not grow up in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so let's just get this out of the way. Pittsburgh fan or not? Let's oh, gosh, no. <laughs> I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, so I am a Colts fan. Uh, <laughs> so uh, talk to us about just how that journey for Christ and 
When did God start speaking to you? Because this is her story. Just so you know, I mean, one is high school. So students, if you're here, listen, this is, this is God speaking. Like, it's not when you're 45 or 80. It's young. So mm-hmm. your story. Yeah, so I grew up in an Alliance church and, um, you know, prayed the prayer when I was like four years old and all that. Um, And I went to church camp when I was nine years old. And at this church camp, um, the speaker was talking about missions and he got done with his talk. And I very clearly heard the Lord say to me, go. And from that moment on, I knew God was calling me to go into overseas ministry. And it's really interesting because actually about 80% of people who go into missions are called before the age of 16. And so we have this tendency as adults to be like, oh, isn't that sweet? That nine-year-old, she wants to be a missionary. But God is calling our children into this, and we need to affirm that, and we need to say, kids, you can hear God's voice. God speaks to you, and when you hear his voice, listen and obey him. So it is cute, and it is sweet, but it's also, it's real when kids hear the voice of the Lord. Story, how you guys met, and see if the core stories still correspond or correlate. <laughs> see if our stories match. <laughs> Go ahead. I met. Okay. For my internship at Crown College, I had Shadows Mission. I got the Shadows Mission there. And so, actually, um, funny to go, go even further back. I was supposed to go to Poland, but then things changed, and the field was closed in Poland. And so last minute, I had to find a new place to go. And that's when Tim Westerman was like, hey, I'll take that. And so I went to Spain and shadowed him for six weeks. And the last two weeks was an English camp. And this was the same English camp that uh, this beautiful woman named Erin uh, came also along to help out at. And we just got happened to be placed side by side with the second graders. Kindergartners. 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 In the sports section. And so for two weeks, we were working side by side with all these little Spanish children. And uh, underneath, you know, the romantic uh, Spanish moonlight, you know, love blossomed, and uh, I uh, took her out on a date, and uh, that was the beginning of a great mission. So. Is that is that how you told it? Is that is that the right story? I, yeah. <laughs> There's always more detail, but right, you know. Uh, yeah, some, but, uh, so you guys end up getting married back 2000 with a 10, 2008. Mm-hmm. You have now how many children? Yes, so we now have four children. There's Viola. She is nine, although she'll tell you she's almost ten. She'll be ten next month. Um, Lily is seven. Josiah is five. And Rosalind is three. And Caleb was mentioning that our last name means coal. And um, I actually told the ladies this yesterday. Um, There's lots of different words for cabbage, different kinds of excuse me, different kinds of cabbage. And one of those words is their word for Brussels sprout, which is Rosenkohl, which sounds an awful lot like Roslin 
Cole. So she's our little Brussels sprout. <laughs> so you guys have four kids. So let me just backtrack a little bit just so people have that context. You go off to seminary. You graduate from seminary around 2011, right? Uh, end of spring. So about eight years ago, eight and a half years ago. So you're going to do this internship. And I just want to tell this story because sometimes it's not all just easy. Um, you get called into ministry or you get called into life and wherever God calls us. And then life starts to happen. And um, so you get into this internship and it, it just does not go well. So here you have the call of God. Lord, we're, we're going overseas. We want to serve you. And what? How much do you want to say about that? I don't know how much to say about that, but just that you guys are wrestling through that time. Do you want me to start? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I kind of had this timeline in my mind. You know, the alliance really lays out the steps that you need to take in order to go overseas. And they really have an emphasis on um, making sure we have longevity overseas. So we do a lot of training and a lot of um, you go to seminary and not everybody does anymore. But um, it's really it's a great process. It's an important process, but it's a very laid out process. OK, two years at seminary, two years doing an internship in the States and then you go overseas. So I had this timeline, and I knew exactly when we were going overseas. And when this internship, this first internship, started to fall apart, um, the Alliance came to us and said, hey, you know, you've gotten some great experience here, especially with learning about conflict and conflict resolution, all that kind of stuff, but you're going to have to start your two years over. And that was a blow to me. Like, God... We had, we had a timeline, like we had a deal. This was when we were going overseas. And now what? It's just blown up in our faces. And so I really had to struggle with that and, and give it over to the Lord and say, okay, this is the call that you have placed on our lives. And I'm going to trust that you will be faithful to this call in spite of what circumstances happen. Picture because this hasn't been a, all easy for them, and we're going to hear more of this. But 
and, and that journey of where Christ is in the middle of this and how he's refined you and you guys allowed him to refine you. And, um, so you go through that, you end up, this is the, the crazy thing. Um, so you end up now getting into a house church with Josh Franks. So who all knows Josh Franks? Raise your hand. All right, so Josh Franks used to be a part of our church. Tom and Judy Franks, their, their son, daughter-in-law, down in Newark, Ohio. And you guys get in hooked with, I mean, that guy's crazy. Like, <laughs> he's got his hair on fire for Jesus. Yeah. Awesome guy. Crazy in a good way. I don't know if Tom and Judy are here. But it's okay. She said the same thing yesterday. <laughs> That's okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, do you I want? So. Yeah. Are you following or do you? Yeah. I'm following. I'll start and you can finish. Okay. Take it whatever I recognize. I'll be honest. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, we never expected to come to Ohio. You know, I grew up in Minnesota, born in Florida, Minnesota. And um, we were in Indiana, met her, lived in Indiana. And we wanted to go overseas. And uh, so never expected to come to Ohio. But then after our first uh, failed experience, not really failed, just relearning time in Indiana, like, okay, where else can we go? Like, oh, there's a great spot where we can do church planning in Ohio. Let's do it. So we went there. Never expected to come here. But God led us to Ohio, in New York, Ohio, with a friend. We love him. Slow down. And <laughs> so we came to Ohio. And we love Ohio. Uh, it was a great time of church uh, planning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It was actually a beautiful time. We had a great time with friends. Um, just learning to be who we are and actually use our natural gifting that God gave us and use those for ministry. It was just a joy. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, well, one of the things that Caleb got to do in that time, he was bivocational, and so he was working construction um, with a company where the owner of the company was um, a recovering alcoholic, and his mission, he was a believer, and so his mission was to hire other recovering addicts and alcoholics, give them a job, give them a chance in life, and also be able to share the gospel. So when we moved there, another guy who's not a believer hooked him and Caleb up and was like, you two need to get together, and you need to give him a job. <laughs> so, yeah, so Caleb was able to work with these guys and share the gospel as he was doing construction alongside of them, which most of you know for men, like, you can't just sit and look them in the eyes and be like, do you love Jesus? Like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So then I uh, was building walls, you know, hammer things, and, you know, putting on a shingle on the roof. And we can hear all the videos. So it's actually, God used that to prepare. When we go to East Germany, uh, East Germans, these old cognitive Germans are very um, reserved in conversation also. And so it's like, hey, it's like, we're going to So we did that and had a really great time. And 
earlier than expected, got the call from national office saying, hey, you know, we've got some positions open. We would like you to apply. All right. <laughs> we thought we had another year, but okay. So um, they said, okay, we've got this position in Bosnia and Herzegovina. We would like you to apply there. Sounds great. We, you know, prayed about it, read through the description. Great. That's the direction God's taking us. So we got through the first couple of interviews, and the national office was like, hey, you, are you recording this? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'll be careful with my words. <laughs> um, they said, hey, you know this other couple. They were in Fort Wayne with you. You're really good friends. You've gone through ministry stuff together. They're going to North Central Asia would you consider going with them to North Central Asia? And we were like, yes. <laughs> oh, we'll pray about it. And yes. <laughs> so we did. We prayed about it and um, just really got an excitement for this place that we were going to be going and the team that we were going to be joining and the people of this country. Um, it was funny. When we were touring before we left, um, I would joke about they have 21,000-foot mountains there, like huge mountains, and we love the mountains. My brother lives in Colorado, and Colorado people, are, they're like so proud of their 14,000-footers. And I was like, hey, brother, we got 21,000-footers. Your 14ers are cute. <laughs> so we were really excited. Um, we came back from some training in Colorado, about five days before we were supposed to get on the plane to head to North Central Asia. And I'm going to let... Five days before you're getting on the plane. Yep. We had packed our house. About four years ago, right? Yep. Yep. You're ready to go. You're packed. You are... You got the kids. You got... You're going. Yep. Five days. Living with my parents again. Living with your parents again. <laughs> And I said, honey, we'll be in a third world country when you lose 10 more pounds. Let's just take care of it now. So she literally kicked me out the door and made me go to the doctor's. So I went to the doctor's and uh, talked to my doctor, like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, you know, this is, we've been doing this. We're going to go overseas and uh, we've been selling everything, you know, just trying to figure out why I'm losing weight and why I'm moving like this. And uh, so I was like, well, let's do a whole bunch of tests. So let's do a whole bunch of tests and everything's coming back normal. Well, could just be stress. You know, you sold your home, you're going to move, you're kind of in job transition, all these things. That can happen. You can lose weight and stress. So like, okay. And then finally, the last test came back. The last time was a blood test. The blood test came back from the lab. And he's like, oh, you're not fine. He says, actually, you have to stay right here. Uh, we have to get some extra help for you because you are now type 1 diabetic. So just two months prior, you look on the, on the blood chart, and two months prior, your pancreas just stopped making insulin all together. So from now, from now on, you'll be insulin dependent for the rest of your life. Oh, okay. 
thing. So, so then they're like, what is this? You know, but we're calling him on this. And so we're trying to call my boss, who at the time was in... Well, he was in the country of Georgia. There were a lot of tears shed that day. Actually, my friend and I were just talking about it because it October was when it happened. So um, she and I were talking, remembering that day, and just how hard it was because on both sides we didn't know, we didn't know what the future held. So yeah, so it's not only just calling. It's type one diabetes. I mean, that's a, that's a life altering kind of thing. Like that's pretty significant. That's some big blows. What, where's God in the middle of this? Because I'm sure there's other people in this room right now that have that are in this or could be heading into something like that where you think you're going this way and God, the door just shuts and you get this kind of news. Where was God in the middle of that? What was he saying to you guys? Yeah. Sure. So, um, there was a verse that just kept coming to me over and over and over in this time. And um, through songs and through the verse itself and just through the way the Lord was speaking to me, it was Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. And so there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of unknown. But through it all, the one sure and secure thing was that the Lord was our anchor, that he was holding us fast through all of the waves and turbulence and um, all of the unknown. And that was really the only thing I could hold on to at that point. I'm so sorry.
And so in, in that, it reminded me again of, okay, I thought I was going to this third world country, but now the Lord is actually redirecting steps through, through extreme measures, perhaps, you know, with health and things like that. Um, perhaps. Perhaps, you know? Who knows, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Lord knows. But as I'm trusting in what he has taught me before, I can lean into that. And at the very beginning, when there was this health issue, I was like, okay, God, I know that you are my healer, and I'm going to pray out and continue to trust that you are my healer. I know, I know you heal. You heal my wife before I'm I've seen that before. I know you heal me. And so at the very beginning, was, I will depend on you like I depend on you. So I'm like, okay, that's the first step. Second step, okay, Lord, during this time, this process, don't know quite where I'm going, but... Um, I'm going to trust in you to my healer, even if healing doesn't come. So you are still my healer, even if it doesn't come. That was the next step, Peter. And then the third step was even, and it's kind of correlated to our life journey in a way. You know, so we're kind of finding a way to find what we're going to do. And finally, when we get to Germany, uh, God is reminding me that, yes, I am your healer. I will heal you. I've heard actually prayed. Someone prayed a prayer over me. That is what God's saying. I'm going to heal He will heal me. He just said, not yet. And so I'm waiting. When is that time? When is that time? This is anticipation, this excitement of he will heal me, don't know when, but just not yet. So it's kind of like waiting, trusting, but also anticipation. Yeah. So you guys go through this journey relatively quickly. National Office calls you. You, you basically, you're not doing any third world country from here on out because of the insulin issue. And, and so the National Office calls you and says, you know, you're at this, or she, there's somebody from the I can't remember what the context was. Um, yeah. You were, they were coming to you and saying, hey, look, we have, or you were at something where, I can't remember the gal from the national office was saying, but we have places in first world countries where people aren't going, mm-hmm. right? Where, mm-hmm. um, we have open spots and we can't seem to fill them. Mm-hmm. And one of them was Paris, Germany, what was the... Berlin uh, and Waren. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and they come to you and say, look, you guys are handling this so well. We want to get you, I, I love that, because the national office is watching us. Sometimes it's the adversity um, they're looking at to see how is somebody going to handle it when life completely gets blown up. And you, the way you guys handled not only this one, but the previous disappointment with that internship, and they're looking at this going, you guys are handling this so well. We want to get you overseas. And you guys end up going to Germany and end up in Aachen. No, is that right? Yeah, it is. That good? Okay. It's good. Um, just keep practicing baby steps. Um, <laughs> so you take language school. So now you're in, this is four years ago, January. So a month later, you get the call from the national office. Hey, you guys want to go? Kind of thing. Like, <laughs> it was all off, not going anywhere. So now you're back on, and here we go. And you leave in January 2016. You go to language school. Tell me just that experience there. Like, you're in a school that's, you know, you think you're going to learn German, and then all of a sudden, who's all in this class? So when we landed in Germany, it was right in the middle of the Syrian refugee crisis. And there was a massive influx of Syrians into Germany. And so the German government said, okay, we need all the towns that have, um, it's called like a, the Volkshochschule, it's like the people's school, it's like adult further education. Every town that has one of these has to have classes for the Syrians so that they can learn German, because that's part of the, the whole thing with them being there, they have to learn German. 
So we get into this class, and it's 98% Syrian refugees and us. <laughs> um, and so it was a really interesting thing because we we were going to be going to a Muslim country, and that was one of those kind of dreams that had died. Like, okay, God, you're not taking us there. You're taking us to an atheistic country. Um, and then all of these Muslims were in our class, and we were building relationships with them over trying to learn this crazy language. And God just said, hey, I didn't send you there. I brought them to you. Funniest thing that ever happened to us in Germany. Oh boy. You want me to go? You want to go first? Mine's kind of uh, embarrassing. <laughs> Are you going to tell that one? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it really is. They asked. Go ahead. You want me to go first? All right, I'll go first because yours is, you, mine won't be funny after yours. <laughs> So um, we had been in Germany for about a month when some friends of ours were going to be in Cologne. And so we were like, oh, let's fly over there and meet them. It's really inexpensive to travel there. So we were like, let's do this. It'll be lots of fun. It'll be lots of fun. We um, ended up missing our flight and sat in the airport for like 12 hours um, trying to get a different flight to still be over there and see our friends. And while we're doing this, the kids are playing in this play area there, and Caleb had gone to the bathroom, and I'm sitting there drinking my Diet Coke, which I really only have occasionally, but this was a stressful day, so I was like, I'm having a Diet Coke. So I'm sitting there drinking my Diet Coke, and I'm like, I've still got like a quarter of it left in the bottle. And this guy comes up to me, and he starts, like, just emphatically speaking to me in French. And I'm like, dude, I don't even speak German yet. I got nothing on French. I have no idea what this man is saying to me. And he's getting more and more animated, and he's, like, almost yelling at me. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what you're saying to me. Finally, this guy at this other table had pity on me. He must have seen what was happening and heard because this guy was being very loud and Germans are not loud. And this guy was being very loud. So this other guy comes over and he speaks to me in English. Oh, praise the Lord. He says, are you okay? I was like, I just don't know what he wants. And the guy was like, turns to the other guy and starts speaking to him in French. And I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> and then he turns back to me, and in English, he's like, he wants to know if he can have your bottle, because it has a deposit on it. And so the homeless people there, they like to collect the bottles and get the deposits. And I'm like, I've still got a quarter of it left in there. <laughs> this is my Diet Coke. <laughs> so I said, can you tell him he can have it when I'm done? So he turns to him and explains, and the guy walked away. But then, like, every two minutes, 
he's walking past me again. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm chugging it. <laughs> he did finally get my Diet Coke bottle. So, uh, we are, I've learned some German, I think I'm pretty good. I go to my German doctor, because I need a physical before I can go back to the US. And so I go to my doctor's office, and it's a female doctor. I'm like, that's fine, you know, doctor's a doctor. And um, I, I know Germans are a lot more openly expressive about their bodies, and so it's not an issue for them. So I'm like, hey, okay, like, I can do this, you know, I can, you know, I can do it. Be contextual. Thanks for stealing my answer. No, it's fine. Um, a funny thing or a simple thing that um, I really miss, it's called Dunau. It's kind of like a gyro, gyro, hero, however you want to say it. You know, the like Mediterranean um, lamb, they, you know, shave the lamb off and it's really delicious. But this is like the German take on it. It's the Turkish people have come in and kind of brought this and made it a German thing. And it's so good. And I miss it. Before fast food, that was the, or it was their uh, original fast food. They didn't have McDonald's on before the day. So the Turks, this is good. It was their, was their fast food. So. Or brats. When we first moved there, we didn't know any German. Neither of us had taken German in high school or anything like that. So be, just the simple ability to be able to communicate with people is, you don't realize how important it is until you don't have it. And you can't go to the grocery store and find the milk, or you can't go to the doctor and explain why your two-year-old is sick or, you know, just little things that every day not being able to communicate, it just, it makes a huge impact. I think those who have been to visit our field, our town, our town is just our province north of Berlin. Berlin is a whole bunch of industry that's not problem. Once you get in our town, there's actually like two handfuls of people that actually speak English in our town. And 
And so, of course, you have to teach it or, or at least try. So, yeah. Which is great for learning the language, but really hard in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so, now you guys have been there a while. You're back home now for a year. Uh, we've been talking about Logan yeah. uh, for quite a while. The summer's been there, but um, things have changed, right? Summer is, summer is off the team, which is really sad. She left us to go get married. <laughs> I know. But he's great, so... It's kind of, I mean, it's, it's mostly okay. So for some of us, uh, some of the people here that may not know all the ministries, so it's changed some. You, we actually, now, this is crazy because um, back when this started, there wasn't this. We now actually have a church that's planted. It's a home church, mm-hmm. right? So kind of give a picture for people here in these last few minutes of, hey, this is the ministry as we're seeing it going forward. Um, kind of a snapshot of, of that and just the fruit you guys are seeing. So we, the goal all along has been to plant a German-speaking church, and the goal is to have Germans that are running that and be their own entity, and then once that is self-sustained by Germans, then we can pull up and go to a different community, different town, and plant another church. Uh, that's been the goal all along. And so it's been a lot of work uh, to try to first come into a curious thing to buy from there's no tennis before, uh, we're going to start something brand new. And how do you start something brand new that you have no connection with? So the first step, of course, always was, well, bridge, build bridges. Make a presence in the community. And let them know who we are, why we're there, and make those friendships, uh, win people for Jesus, uh, and start, start that process there. And so that was the very beginning. And uh, so we've been building bridges. In a lot of ways, we found out, as we have now, as of last March, started a house church. Um, we've been kind of doing a church plant in reverse. <laughs> We've started all these ministries and things, and from those are pulling together these core foundational group of people to be the core of the church. And so, so we've been, uh, a lot of times we take a core group into a community, we plant it, and then we start bringing ministries out of that core group, and then talk and talk about more people. What we've been doing actually is just often of starting all these various ministries and drawing people from those. Because so. the ministry, as you were talking about, this was really establishing trust, right? And nobody. You said something fascinating about how long you have to be there, even though you're not from there. Yeah, so um, we had asked a guy one time, well, how long has your family been in Varen? He said, oh, since 1486. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then we asked another family, how long have you been here? 40 some years, and I saw you a bomber there, and you put in the bomber, like, no, we're not. How come you not been here? You raised your children here, your grandchildren here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you would say that you've been here for 20 years, you've been around here, yeah. 30 years. Wow. So you're building trust. You guys are still keeping some of the ministries going, right? Because that's. Right. So what are, what are the ministries you guys are keeping going as long as simultaneously with the church plan? What are those? Mm-hmm. Our biggest ministry, I'm going to let you talk about because you're the one who gets to do it. Which one? Youth. Well, youth, but specifically camp. Oh, okay. Summer camp. <laughs> I think they're all important. They're all really good. But, but okay. So, uh, of course, in our town of Germans who are, you know, they're very self-sufficient. They have to get jobs. They make automobiles. And they make, you know, 
engines, they're pretty, pretty good to go. There's not a whole lot of felt needs in our area of the world, in Germany. Uh, and so how can you reach them for Jesus? How can you meet all those felt needs for the rest of the community? We're there to also bless the community. And so the one thing that they don't have, or they really, really want, and it has some people that come and help, is English. They want to learn English. But there's only a few people in the town that do speak English, and if they want their kids to grow up and learn to speak English to get a better job, maybe go down to Berlin, or Frankfurt, or somewhere else, you know, they really need to learn English. And so uh, English is one of their felt needs, and so we can meet that needs. We're native English speakers. Who speak English? This is easy, you know? <laughs> but English is not very easy. It's a pretty difficult language. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, one of the biggest, the biggest things we do is in the summertime, uh, we have a one week long, we actually have two of them, two one week long English immersion camps for teenagers. So they come for seven days and they come, we sleep in a little farmhouse, we do uh, a whole bunch of English classes, we do uh, everything in English. Uh, we do sports. sports. We do American food, we make them eat with a fork and knife, and they go crazy, like, what is this? And uh, we have a lot of fun with that. Germans eat their hamburgers with a fork and a knife. That's very popular. Uh, <laughs> and so we uh, even do, um, at the night, we actually are able to do uh, worship nights and do preaching in small group break houses. And we, we do this, uh, well, the preaching is actually translated into German, so they don't have the same thing. But otherwise, all in English, and they just get immersed, and uh, it's huge. And it gets, we have a waiting list every, every year, we have a waiting list. We have so you're seeing, our teams go over there, like they, they've helped out with this camp, mm -hmm. and they've helped out some, there's an effectiveness to this thing. Like right. It's planting seeds, you're seeing fruit out of this, the kids starting to follow Christ. Yeah. So when we come over there, even though we don't get relationship that deep, you're seeing fruit from these teams visiting in Absolutely, absolutely. You are helping us to do a bigger work than we can do alone. And it's kind of, on our part, a little selfish because we do get to see the fruits of what comes of that. Um, but we really couldn't, we couldn't have the impact we have both with the summer camps and also with the day camp if we didn't have people coming and partnering with us. We now have a church. I mean, it's just crazy. We didn't have a church before in there. I mean, the light, uh, what is it, less than 2%? Is it? Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, Raj, can you turn off all the house lights? Keep the sound on here. Just turn off all the house lights, the stage lights. Is that cool? Just darken it all real quick. No, he's gone. Oh, there you go. Yeah, stage lights. Can you turn those off? Like everything? Oh, that's <laughs> So, and we got some other lights on here. So we only have less than 1% of people follow Christ in Germany. So it's, it's like one life, right? In a whole country. And, uh, I mean, we got 200 people here, so somebody else turned herself over, we got one up there. You think about that, this is about all the light Germany has for the gospel of Christ. I mean, just planted a church. Summer, one of our own, was a part of that church plant. We've sent teams over there. We sent money over there. I, I don't want you guys to lose this. This is 1%. Maybe 
maybe one percent. Christ is using us, guys. He's using this couple here, Aaron and Caleb. He's used some. Don't underestimate how Christ can use you. So when you hear us talk about Germany, and I just I, I can't stress it enough, God is working through us. Don't don't think that He's not. And when we give to GCF, He's working through us. And it's just simple life. It's just Christ in us. And sending people over that are they're crazy, they're awesome. Couple like Caleb and Aaron. And let me just pray that we close uh, just over this this moment and uh, what God may be doing. Lord, would you uh, right now speak to those you might want to call? It's real simple, God. Uh, we don't even have to wait long. You're, you're already doing it. Would you call them to go? Jesus, would you put in front of Freshwater Church a very clear vision that you are going to send us? This church will not be the same in five years. You are going to send us. You're going to pull people out of here. Lord, would you even right now, for some, Lord, for any year, would you call us to sacrifice and give love and love? It's worth it. And Lord, for Caleb and for Aaron and their family. God, would you just bless them? It's so good to hang around people like them that are just, they love you. Lord, they're on fire for you. They're humble. Uh, Lord, would you bless their ministry? And I pray for the future partnership, Lord, that you would continue to bind Freshwater's heart with, uh, with the field.